podcast. Don't do crimes or hurt yourself or others. Bravo, bravo. I like it. Hi, and welcome to Artners in Crime, a comedic exploration of weird, unethical, and less legal side hustles. I am Sean O'Brien. And I'm Kelly McDonald. Cool. All right. Is there anything else we usually include in our intro? Should we? Uh, I don't know. I think that's good for now. We've got that. Yeah, okay. And then I put the screen. And then (laughs) And then the screen. Yeah, we even have a theme song. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, if you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, you've heard already, probably several times. <laughs> yes, yes, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you're already jamming to it. Unless this is your first episode, in which case, hi and welcome, and this is going to be both informative and fun, I promise, even though we're not leading you down the garden path so far. Oh, wait, no, leading you down the garden path, is that is that is that a slang term for fraud, or, like, leading you down, like, a positive experience? You know what? I've heard it both ways, so I don't actually know. What does that tell you about the nature of positive experiences? Uh, well, all depends on what side of the coin you're on. <laughs> uh, well, today I want to do a quick, um, I want to start with a quick update on my own personal side hustle. One of the list of them. Uh, that being uh, my attempt to join a phase one clinical trial. Now, last time we talked about this, of course, I had been booted for not only taking caffeine but admitting to it shame which, shame indeed and uh and i did in fact leave with my tail between my legs but sure enough true to their word they did re-recruit me into the next group of the exact same study which uh, i believe i talked about in some detail in the previous episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. check it out so, if you haven't heard it yeah thank you uh <laughs> and so yes this past weekend seven days ago exactly Actually, really, at this hour, because check-in started at 3 o'clock. No, it started at 4 o'clock. Never mind. So Close enough. Six days and 23 hours. Uh, I checked in for a overnight, two overnights, technically, uh, to test this generic version of an existing cancer drug. And uh, boy, was that an experience. Uh- <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah. yes. I need to know all about this. Like, how many eyeballs do you have? Do you have seven toes? And... uh... Well, I can shoot webs from my wrists now, which is unexpected. (laughs) Um, Awesome. No, the big thing... Okay, so it's not so much what they gave me so much as what they took away. Um, Kelly, ask me how many times they drew my blood. How many times did they draw your blood, Sean? You know, you're, you you can be really lazy sometimes. Instead of just asking me that question, why don't you take a guess? Oh, well, I am pretty lazy. So um, you're right, you're <laughs> right. Let me change my life here. I'll guess. Um, 15. 15? You know, that's a pretty good guess. It was 23. Holy crap. I thought that was me being crazy. Oh, wow. They literally, for uh, immediately after taking the pill first thing on the Sunday morning, they drew my blood every half an hour. How much blood did they take? Like, they couldn't have been uh, taking that much, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like however much fits in one of those little vials. Oh, um, okay. You know, it was a cumulative effect. I think the reason I was feeling so tired was probably because of the sleep deprivation, because they had to get us up at, like, 5 in the morning. Wait a second. 
Hold yep. on. I've heard mm-hmm. about this where they give you drugs, yep. they make you not s- sleep, yep. and they tell you crazy things. Yep. Sean, did you accidentally join a cult? I don't need to tell you that because you (laughs) until you you do the introductory. Did I mention that there is a referral bonus for doing this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they give you 200 bucks if I get somebody to go through it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, I guess like their whole thing was testing how this pill showed up in my blood over the next uh, 72 hours, essentially, because they took my blood every half an hour. Uh, and then they had me come back on the Monday and Tuesday morning. Uh, no, on the Tuesday and Wednesday, we checked out on Monday morning. And then you come back on Tuesday and Wednesday morning at 725 in the morning. 725, not 730, not 715, not seven o'clock, 725. The level of scientific precision that they employ when it came to this is astonishing. When they gave you a cup of water, if you left a drop behind, you were told to finish it. Ooh, like, did they yell at you? Finish your water! Well, they can't, uh, but they, uh, they, 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 it was way more like scientisty in the way they did it. They would just put the cup back in front of you and say, you have to finish that. <laughs> like you're an idiot. Like Exactly. Idiot. It's so much worse. You would rather they're yelling because instead they're just basically calling you a dumbass. <laughs> there are three drops left. How dare you? Yeah. You had to eat your meals within a very specific window. Uh, you had to drink the water. Every cup they gave you, you had to drink it within 60 seconds. Oh, man, um, man it's timed. Oh, God, this is too there, much pressure. <laughs> there was posture restriction, so you had to stay seated upright in a chair for pretty much that entire first morning up until post-lunch, essentially, whereupon most people just went back to their cots and fell the fuck to sleep. Because... Um, uh, <laughs> Um, we yeah. were we were very tired. Um, and of course, that night, you know, we are going to bed because we had our, um, you know, last couple of blood draws. We we're a little more spread apart. I'm sound asleep by 10 o'clock. So, of course, they wake me up at like five minutes to midnight being like, cool, you got to you got to draw your blood again. No. Rinse and repeat. Wake up again at five the next morning, 15 minutes before we're supposed to have like the bedroom door locked. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah. I uh <laughs> all that considered, um like uh, there's three more periods left of this thing and I am going to be going to all of them. And uh honestly, it's not that bad of a way to make a little bit of extra money. All right. All right. I mean like yeah. you're there and they're feeding you and I mean if you yeah. have nothing else to do, which I mean COVID, you shouldn't really be doing anything anyways. So this is pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and because of COVID restrictions as well, because that's the thing. Uh, a lot of people do this regularly. There were people I were talking to there that have been doing these studies for years as a way to kind of make some money on the side. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And uh, one thing that they mentioned was it's actually now is really the best time to do it because of social distancing protocols. They have to cut the number of people in the room by half. So like you get instead of having like two people to a bunk bed, you get the whole bunk bed to yourself hey. instead of. Instead of having a whole bunch of people crowded around you in kind of this closed environment, uh, everybody is like everybody's chair is spread out. So everybody's got their own space. Yeah, actually, it sounds like a nicer way to do this. Yeah. Right? And I was just sitting Point there. Point one just... for COVID? <laughs> you know what the weird part of all that, though, was uh, it was just kind of nice to hang out in a room full of people again. That's fair. And getting to meet new people, which is kind of hard to do right mm-hmm. now. 
probably worked out actually really well for you, come to think of it. I mean, like, that's what I was saying. I was going to give you a point to COVID saying, hey, even <laughs> in the darkest times, there's some sunlight right. and there's some, you can get something positive out of it. Well, exactly, you know. Because other because the the other way of looking at it is that everything's awful and stays awful forever, and that <laughs> our lives Everything are so small and insignificant. Everything sucks when <laughs> you're part of a team. <laughs> exactly. Lego movie, right? Lego movie, great flick, great flick indeed. Uh, All right, so <clears throat> let's talk about our main topic for today. Oh, yeah. What are we doing? What are we studying? Since we were talking about clinical trials, I feel like we should talk about sort of the next sort of progression down this road, because uh, let's be honest, I'm lazy. You're lazy. It's true. We don't want to, you know, imagine producing a drug in the modern environment, spending billions of dollars on research and development, having people do four different stages of clinical trials you know, this is, um, that's a pretty hefty ask if, if I say so myself. I mean, I'm already tired thinking about all of it. Yeah. And, and to be clear, it's not like uh, medicine isn't a fulfilling job. I, as a matter of fact, especially over the last year, can you think of any job that must have been more fulfilling to do than working in medicine? Mm, let's see. More fulfilling. Yeah, what do you think would be more fulfilling to do than being like a somebody working in medicine and healthcare right now? You somebody who's really making that difference in the lives of people during this this global pandemic. Yeah, off Broadway theater actor. I think they <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now off Broadway are all sellouts. It's off off Broadway that counts, baby. You're right. You're right. It's the off off Broadway. <laughs> Yeah, that's the real fulfillment right there. That's it. You know, right now. <laughs> look, I, I mean, up in up in Toronto, I've done I've done basements, I've done bars, I've done fringe festivals, I've done attics. You know, pretty much all of the stereotypical uh, places that you would do one of these like uh, dinky little indie productions. And I will say, uh, let's call it fulfilling. Let's go with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's an immense value to the hard work and education that these people have to go through in order to do such an important job. Again, referring to off, off Broadway, not <laughs> healthcare workers. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's no way to make that a side hustle. Um, so instead we're going to talk about going that different route where you can with little to no education and with barely any investment, way less than, you know, those quote unquote experts, uh, really make a go of things. And we are talking about, when I say all these things, becoming a snake oil salesperson. Ooh. Is that where they like take snakes and they like ring them out and they like like a cartoon status and they like. Can you imagine the crunching sound <laughs> of just ringing out a snake? Uh, no, I don't. Just like the way it would feel in your hands. You're thinking uh, about it. That doesn't just that sound pleasant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's still alive, too. It's the reptile skin. It's all dry and gross. It's kind of writhing in pain the whole time, and it's trying to bite you to get you to stop. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't stop. No, because um, you need it for your side hustle. Exactly, right? I gotta wring out this snake's juice. <laughs> Why isn't the juice coming out? Oh, there it is. There, there oh. it is. Oh. oh, I missed the bucket. I missed oh, the no! bucket. Oh, boy. Okay, well, uh, I'm just gonna... Oh, and it's oil, what, what, so how it's do you slippery. Oh, you can't clean that exactly. up. Little known fact, snakes are full of oil. 
Uh, so we're going to go over the essential strategies to make a side hustle out of this incredibly unethical, though perfectly legal if you do it right, practice. Mm, this is our area That's here. Right. This is a sweet Exactly. Spot. It's not morals. Who need those? I don't need them. <laughs> Look, we're not here for morals. We're here to make some cash on the side so we can continue to pursue our incredibly non-lucrative passions, okay? Oh, no, I'm telling you. I'm on board, yes. Okay, yeah. cool. I thought you were arguing with me for some reason. I guess I just always feel attacked. Well... Stop please. yelling at me! <laughs> <laughs> it works every time it's beautiful uh, every time 90% of the time uh, credit to my sister for that one okay so let's talk a little bit about the history of selling snake oil so that we can learn from it and adapt that into our own snake oil practices oh wait do they actually like pull like maybe like the fangs out of the snakes and then they like crush them down is that how they get the snake oil out um sort of we'll get into that um so to be clear it all started with an act of cultural appropriation (laughs) what you don't say (laughs) you see back in the usa of the 1800s thousands (laughs) of chinese immigrants we're arriving. You know, already know this is going to a dark place, right? Oh, yes. Um, well, you said U.S. <laughs> and I mean, anything in our history is, well. You said USA, 1800s, Chinese immigrants. And yeah, just I don't like, need okay. to know. I don't need to hear any more, really. I already right. know it's going to be terrible. <laughs> um, and yeah, many of those immigrants uh, took work building the, in, the Transcontinental Railroad. According to historian Richard White's book, Railroaded, about 180,000 Chinese immigrated to the United States between the years of 1849 and 1882. Most of these workers had been peasants and were signed to contracts that ran up to five years. By the end of the project, there were 11,000 workers total working on just this one railroad, many of whom died in the process, though we're unsure how many because the companies in charge didn't take down those statistics. No, no. Why would we keep records of how many people were forcing to work on this project dangerously and then, you know, when they die? We don't need those records. No (laughs) one needs to know. This has nothing to do with our ability to make immense amounts of money. Therefore, why would we invest energy in writing it down? I'm an old time railroad man. We've got a railroad to build here. I'd have to pay a lady to do those numbers, and we all know ladies can't do numbers. Forget it. Never pay a lady to think. It's it's like like teaching a pig to sing. (laughs) (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) I've heard plenty of pigs sing in my time. Wait, what? No, hold on. Last time we taught a lady to think, she tried to vote, and where will this country be if we ever start doing that, huh? (laughs) America. (laughs) Okay, America. All right, now. Traditional Chinese medicine uh, is a hot commodity these days among the alt medicine crowd. Uh, But back then, Americans were just learning about these things from the Chinese laborers and their families. This is kind of where it all got started. So is that like acupuncture and um, Mm -hmm. cupping? Go ahead. Name more. 
Yep. Uh, essential oils, maybe, or no herb herbs and like and like pills and and vitamins kind of stuff, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're on the right track there. Yeah, I definitely know. I'm pretty sure at least those first two are definitely like you know the TCM, right? So here's the thing: um, the Chinese water snake, when boiled and having its fat skimmed off. So that's how you get the oil. You boil the oh, snake and skim the fat off the top. You, get it. you don't wring them out. You don't take their teeth. All right. All right. Boil now, them up. Now you just throw it in the boiling water. You want to kill it first? I don't know. Uh, so oh, yeah, this I didn't oil. Even think about that. I was just <laughs> throwing them in the pot. Here you go. <laughs> like a lobster, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Isn't that, they taste better that way or something. I don't know. Is that, Why? That's, that's how you get the best oils. They have to go in fresh and alive. In fairness, I'm trying to imagine what, how to, like, effectively and quickly kill a lobster without throwing it in the pot. Like, do you, like, stab it? Do you stab it in the head? Like, what the hell would you do? It's got a uh, bunch of carapace. Well, that's true. I guess you could bonk it on the head with a mallet or something. Yeah, it's like, okay, we found a new humane way of doing it. And you just cut to somebody in the kitchen just, like, smashing it against the counter over and over <laughs> again while screaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. They're just like crying, uh, stomping on it, like wearing boots in what? the kitchen. Look, if I had to kill a lobster with my bare hands, I'd be crying too, because like, the cr- again, with the crunching. Oh, the just crunching. The it makes crunching. it so much worse. <laughs> oh, and if it doesn't stop moving right away, I'll know it's in pain. Oh, oh. see, now, now it's too real, too real. Anyway, so this oil uh, is rich in omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3, just for those who don't necessarily know, it's considered an essential fatty acid that most people don't consume enough of. And it plays a vital role in controlling inflammation in the body. When, uh, so when these workers would rub the oil on their sore joints, it helped them to feel better. Oh, okay. Um, so like it actually was like uh, probably before we ever had, I don't know, what are those menthol creams? Those like icy hot Like Tiger stuff? Bomb? Yeah, Tiger Bomb, yeah. Salon Paws, all those kind of things. Yeah, actually, I'm wondering, because I'm going to Google this right now. Was, like, Tiger Bomb also part of TCM? Mm-hmm. You tell me. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to Tiger me. Bomb. I'm going to TigerBomb.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, retailers, products about Tiger Bomb. Okay. Uh, Tiger Bomb has risen from the ancient courts of Chinese emperors to worldwide prominence. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Chinese uh, medicinal practices really good at uh, inflammation and stuff and soreness. Tiger bomb. Tiger bomb. Snake oil. Was yep. it <laughs> no, it did not come from snake oil. <laughs> no, no, it did. It did. I read it on their website. Wait, really? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who looked at the website. I didn't look it up. <laughs> okay, well, you sounded so confident when you said that. Yeah, that's my problem in life. It's, I always sound confident when I know nothing. About nothing. God, I know that feeling so much. All right, mm. so um, yes, ti- uh, Tiger Bomb. We're not talking about Tiger Bomb, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so, sna- so the original snake oil derived from the Chinese water snake does, in fact, have some efficacy for the specific uses that they were using it for, specifically bringing down the soreness in their joints from a long day's labor. And while 90% of that labor force on the railroad was Chinese, what few Americans were among them did something that Americans rarely feel compelled to do. They learned from another culture and started using this oil from themselves. 
That sounds made up. I feel like we stole the idea from them, and that's how it should be worded. We didn't give it. learn from them. <laughs> oh, Kelly, give, me give that it snake. a second. Give it oh. a second. All right, <laughs> we'll get right. there. <laughs> Just so, you wait. <laughs> yeah, d- yeah. Whenever you're like, oh wait, Tron's arriving at like a positive conclusion to this, so I guess it must be fine. Um, <laughs> it is always going to a bad place. Don't you worry. <laughs> So snake oil salespeople, um, I guess you would think, must have come across as pretty legit at the time, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it sounds legit. I mean, like, well, you kept saying they were using a Chinese water snake, so I feel Mm -hmm. like it might only be that certain snake that works. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you use the wrong snake, you could get, like, a rash or (laughs) something worse. Well, let's see what happened. So... The existence of something that works turns out to be great for people who want to make money off of a semi-informed consumer base. And that's where patent medicines come into the picture. So, Kelly, what is a patent medicine? Uh, something that's been tested and proven to work? Maybe? (laughs) Actually, no. No, I'm an idiot. Patent is when you own it. Right? Like, it doesn't matter yeah. if it works or not. Like, you just own it. It's yours. You can do what yeah. you want with it. Right? Yeah, you literally just filed a patent for it, and now it's uh, you can sell it. That's uh, That was that was the old school way of doing patent medicines. And wow. uh, they remain a wonderful basis for those who want to laugh at some old-timey nonsense, which we're going to do now. Yay! Old-timey Yay! nonsense! <laughs> I feel like we should have a, a song just for that. Old-timey! Woo! You see, there aren't any Chinese water snakes in the American ecosystem. Oh, wait. So did the Chinese bring the oil with them or did they bring the snakes with them? Or did they just try to use American snakes? I'm going to guess they brought the oil with them because that's a bit more transportable than your average snake. I don't know. I bring my snakes with me everywhere I go. I've got a little basket. Yeah? Yeah. What kind of snakes you got in there? Oh, I don't ask them. That's really impolite. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, like, what if somebody walked up to you and was like, what kind of human are you? Like, rude. I'm going to walk up to somebody now and be like, what kind of human are you? What kind of human are you? Is that like the new way to ask someone's ethnicity? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. What kind of human are you? (laughs) No, you want to find out if they're a good person or a bad person. Like it's you know, generally, what kind of human yeah. are you? Oh, Tell me. Oh, see, that I get. The content of their soul, the thing that actually matters. Um, yes, what kind of human are you? In that case, does make perfect sense to ask somebody. And I think you should often. Yes. Uh, have a good day, ma'am. What kind of human <laughs> are you? I mean, <laughs> thank you. Have a good day. Um, yeah, so like I said, there's no Chinese water snakes in the American ecosystem, but folks want to make money without working very hard. So... You you can't blame people for what happened next. Oh, I and, can. Watch me. But but that's but you shouldn't. Um, because you know mm-hmm. they're just trying to make money uh, without offering any value to people. What's wrong with that? Well, nothing as long as they're not ripping me off. But <laughs> then you can just admire them from afar. Yeah, and judge them when they screw it up. <laughs> so this is where Charles Stanley arrives in the picture. All right, Charles Stanley. That's a nice name. Yeah, so Charles Stanley was a former cowboy who referred to himself as the Rattlesnake King. Wait, did he also refer to himself as a former cowboy? He's like, oh, it's time to put up the hat. Oh, I'm done. Uh, I gotta retire, folks. I'm no longer a cowboy. I got tired of boying these cows. It was hard work. A lot of lassoing. 
a lot of twirling my guns. <laughs> was, uh, I had to meet a lot of people at noon. It's a uh, very busy, busy. I tried, I tried cow poking for a minute, but that just felt weird. I also someone saw me doing that, and they said that's not what we meant by cow poking. <laughs> And now I'm not allowed on the ranch anymore. <laughs> no, oh, I can't come over for Thanksgiving. It's a whole mess. <laughs> the, 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 the rancher told me that he wouldn't be pressing charges on account of the fact he didn't want to explain what he watched me doing in court. <laughs> I can never say those words out loud. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. He uh, referred to himself as the Rattlesnake King, and he claimed that he had learned about the healing power of rattlesnake oil. Oh, no. From Hopi medicine men. All right. You think he's telling the truth? No. Okay. I think he gives you a big old rash. A big old nasty <laughs> rash that, like, itches and smells. Well, he created a pretty huge stir at the 1893 exposition in Chicago when he took a live rattlesnake and sliced it open before a crowd of onlookers. Oh, no. Yeah, there was a lot going on at that expo. Uh, this is the World Fair, right? Uh, World Exposition, the World Expo. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yes. The, it was the World's Fair. It was H.H. Uh, Holmes. So there's a lot oh my of God. killing <laughs> happening at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, just the murder hotel. Yeah, what a what a crazy wackadoodle story that is. Oh, yeah. Any hoozles. Any hoozles. Uh, <laughs> so this is a quote describing what he did from Joe Schwartz, the director of McGill University's Office for Science and Society. Thank you very much, Joe Schwartz. Thank you, Joe, Joe Schwartz. I messed that up. Thank you, Joe, Joe, Joe Schwartz. I can't say Joe in that kind of accent. That's weird. Anyways. Weird. Okay. Uh, anyway, I'm going to approximate uh, the voice of a man who I've never heard before. Um. Stanley reached into a sack, plucked out a snake, slid it open, and plunged it into boiling water. When the fat rose to the top, he skimmed it off and used it on the spot to create Stanley's snake oil. This is distracting. Why the fuck did I do this? I, I love gonna... that voice. I was in. I was enthralled. Okay, okay. Keep so... going, keep going. <laughs> he skimmed it off and used it to... Sp- used it on the spot to create Stanley's snake oil, a liniment that was immediately snapped up by the throng that had gathered to watch the spectacle. Oh my so, god. So he <laughs> so he just cuts open a fucking like, live-ass right. snake and throws it in boiling water. And so that is the method, right? Like, technically yeah. speaking, and he's doing the right method. And the fat off the top, yeah, you got the oil, yeah. yeah. I mean, oil. Except you're just using the wrong snake. Yeah, and that matters because rattlesnakes are different than Chinese water snakes. Well, I just, I'm, I'm sticking with this rash. I feel like you're going to get a rash. <laughs> uh, it doesn't cause a rash. Um, oh. It's just that it doesn't have that much omega-3. So oh. it doesn't have the impact that the Chinese water snake would have in terms of inflammation. But it sounds like it could have a little impact, right? It's just like um, the generic brand version. It's, it's more like version. just rubbing Vaseline on your skin at that point. No, not even Vaseline. What would be like the equivalent of it? Just oil, like olive oil or something, oil. I guess. Yeah, yeah it's just right. oil. Butter, rubbing butter on your skin, I guess. Perfect. I love me some butter. Lard, pickles. rubbing lard on your skin, rubbing oh. animal fat on your skin, right? <laughs> Nobody that's, really recommends that for anything, do they? Go. That's more, that's closer to it. Ugh. It took me like several tries, but I'm like, wait, no, it's an animal. Stop it, Sean. <laughs> it's lard. 
But the thing is, he was advertising it as a topical oil for the following conditions. And I'm going to read the poster. Um, I, I want to send you the poster. I've, I, I feel like I've sent you the poster already. Whatever. Okay, so here is, by the way, look up this poster. Clark Stanley's Snake Oil Liniment. It is a... It's exactly what you're imagining, and this man's mustache goatee game is on friggin' point. (laughs) The strongest and best liniment known for pain and lameness. For, I guess he would be more, would would he be talking like a cowboy? I don't fucking know. I'm going to do it in that old school announcer voice, that mid-Atlantic, even though that's probably nothing like he sounded like. I'll allow it. Thank you very much. For rheumatism, neuralgia, sciatica, lame back, lumbago, contracted cords, toothache, sprains, swellings, etc. Etc. Oh, whoa! It heals. <laughs> and also some other stuff. And Imagine also that. some other stuff. My stuff falls <laughs> under that category, so this must be good for me. The moment that someone's selling you something, and they're like, "It deals with all of these specific conditions, and also some other stuff." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we won't go into that now. Don't worry about those. But wait, there's more. For frostbites, chill blains, bruises, sore throat, bites of animals, insects, and reptiles. What? You get bit (laughs) by a crazy dog and you want to rub snake oil on it? Good for man and beast. Oh, so after you bite the dog back for biting you, you (laughs) can can both tend your... It's a good bonding moment with the doggo. (laughs) So you and the dog become friends again because you rub the oil on it, it rubs the oil on you. Everyone goes home happy. Puts the lotion in the basket. (laughs) Uh, It it gives immediate relief. It's good for everything a liniment ought to be good for. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's good for everything it should be doing. I assure you. Yeah, all of the things you would hope it does, it actually does. (laughs) In case I haven't mentioned one, it does the thing you're thinking too. (laughs) (laughs) It cures chicken pox and the common cold. (laughs) Oh boy, oh boy. Remember, look for sources of information outside the advertising copy, okay? Uh, Yeah, I guess. That's where I get all my information from, is right from the product itself. They wouldn't lie to me. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's what that poster said, and that's what this is being advertised for. Um, so, um, also, here's the thing, uh, the content of the rattlesnake oil doesn't actually really matter in the grand scheme of this, because what he was selling people wasn't actually rattlesnake oil either. What? Rude. (laughs) Yeah, so after the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 was passed specifically to stop guys like this, a shipment of his garbage oil was seized and it turned out to be a mix of mineral oil, rendered beef fat, red pepper, and turpentine. What? And turpentine. No. And turpentine, uh, Uh. which was sort of like a key ingredient of just all liniments, I think, at the time. Like, you just keep hearing turpentine is like your go-to home ranch remedy, right? Yeah, I guess so. That and Windex. (laughs) Yeah, rendered beef fat, though. Turns out I was pretty close up before when I was talking about putting some lard on your skin, right? Yeah, actually, that's... <laughs> why wouldn't you just sell, like, just sell the mineral oil? Like, why are you putting all this extra stuff in it? Like, why waste because your time? Other peop- because other people are selling mineral oil and advertising it for the thing that mineral oil does. But I'm selling my patent snake oil. Oh, well, all right. With chili powder and turpentine. <laughs> I guess the red pepper's for, like, making a tingle? Because if it yeah. tingles, right? 
Yeah, it's and gotta it'll be like it. make your your it, it'll give you like that icy hot sensation. It'll make it full warm. Still a technique in use today. Yeah. Uh, so to summarize, this guy was selling oil from the wrong snake, claiming he learned it from the wrong culture, and it was fake anyway because hunting down and boiling a <laughs> bunch of rattlesnakes would have been hard and expensive. So if you just lie and then lie some more and then add a little bit more lies on top of it, you, too, can be a snake oil salesman. And sure, eventually he got caught, but who gives a shit? He made his money, right? Yeah, he probably made enough to get himself out of jail. Sure. <laughs> the uh, the first written usage of the phrase snake oil salesman appeared in Stephen Vincent Bennett's epic 1927 poem, John Brown's Body, when the poet refers to Crooked creatures of a thousand dubious trades, sellers of snake oil balm and lucky rings. Oh, yeah, that gives you the tone that uh, you probably don't want to be a self-proclaimed snake oil salesman. You probably don't want that on your business card. Yeah, I mean, this guy was such a famous crook that the thing he did became a pejorative. Gosh. (laughs) It became like a generic turn. He's the Kleenex of fraudsters. (laughs) (laughs) The phrase was later used by Eugene O'Neill in his play The Iceman Cometh, and it's been with us basically ever since. So, uh, little known fact, people, plays can teach you things, and phrases and new words come from plays. Bam. This was back, yeah, yeah, plays and culture, they still matter, man. 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 All right, so there's one last patent medicine I want to touch on just because I love the story so much. Um, Most of my information for this part of the episode, by the way, comes from uh, one of my favorite nonfiction books, Bad Medicine by Ben Goldacre. So once I'm done talking about this, we'll get into the how-to portion because I know that's what you're really here for. You want to learn how to make some money. That's right. So uh, We all know there's not enough snakes around, so exactly right. easier way. I mean, at this point, like, uh, yeah, you could actually start selling legitimate snake oil and people will still be like, oh, that's obviously bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a bit of a stigma now. (laughs) But no, it's actual snake oil. I got it from the snake. (laughs) Sure you did. (laughs) Turns Uh, out it actually like hears everything, but no one will buy it because it's just got this bad stigma on it. All right. So to sort of give you a template of what a good successful snake oil salesman could look like, enter Dudley J. LeBlanc, a Louisiana senator who created a medicine called Hadacol. Hadacol? Hadacol. Um, yeah, he created the name Hadacol. Officially, it's because of his former business, the Happy Day Company, the maker of Happy Day headache powders, which the oh. FDA uh, had seized. By this point. <laughs> Someone who gets <laughs> chronic migraines. Um, happy powder sounds fantastic. And I would like two cases <laughs> of it, please. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also uh, another one called Dixie Dew Cough Syrup. Dixie Dew from- Cough Syrup. If you put a cute name to it, like. Yeah, do you think he's it. from Louisiana? It's hard to tell so far. <laughs> <laughs> you take those name ingredients uh, and you get. Uh, happy became ha, days became duh, company became co, and his own last name of LeBlanc provided the L. Um, the O-L at the end was also indicative of the alcohol content of this what? medicine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that is one way to come up with a name. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> for uh, work, we use this <laughs> online builder called, like, it's a form builder, like SurveyMonkey, but it's called yeah. Wufu. So it's W U U F O O. And the creators of it, one of them liked the Wu Tang Clan, and one of them liked uh, the Foo Fighters. So they just put the names together. That is a very disparate combination of things, but I dig it. Um, now, that was the official reason why it was named that. Although, when he was asked about it, uh, his response would be, I had to call it something. Oh, no. That's what he said? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so, like, it was marketed a as a diet. I would make. Oh, God. I'm sorry to everybody uh, out there who wants to deal with me. Like, now I'm on the other side of it. <laughs> Oof. This man was a senator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not forget about that. That's a good point to bring up here. <laughs> uh, so this was a dietary supplement taken as a tonic. Um, so to summarize, just take away the mystique of what was in it. It was a multivitamin with booze. Oh, oh my gosh. This is like the the Vitamina Vegemin episode of I Love Lucy where she gets um, really drunk. And tries to sell. When, when did that episode come out? Actually, because because um, this would have been in 1950. Yeah, this is probably around in the fifties. So this is probably making so, fun of how to co. Um, how to call? Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> how to call it something? Had, yeah, I, I know. Right, you just said that stupid <laughs> joke to me. Oh, I needed so yeah, you to say it again. That's what it was. So yeah, the the, the vitamin and vegemix mix uh, was probably based on how to call. Yeah, um, she's all like, do you? <laughs> Poop out at parties. Are you unpopular? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It contained <laughs> it contained twelve percent alcohol, which was listed as a preservative, which made it uh, <laughs> which <Yes>. made <laughs> it's a multivitamin. There's nothing organic in there. Nope. <laughs> like you don't need a preservative. Um, and that of course made it a hit though in dry counties. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you go to a dry county now, you just buy cough syrup, but yeah, right? all right. <laughs> that's what but you this, just get But this is so on. much stronger. And he made cough syrup too, right? Dixie knew. What's the bet there was some <laughs> shady shit in that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing we've come this far in life. I know, right? All right. Um, and uh, here's the thing. Hadakal was listed as curing everything. Uh, in order to take the recommended dose, which was one tablespoonful four times a day, that <laughs> cost per year was $100. Yeah, all right. In that time's money. So multiply that by oh. like four. and you, Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's a lot. And bear in mind, that's uh, four times a day? Uh, <laughs> time mean, the housewives in the 1950s were so drugged up and so coked out of their minds and drunk like yeah. they were living the ice they were living the home self-isolation lifestyle before we made it cool and i gotta <laughs> say i would take that four times a day <laughs> <laughs> it helps you get through the darkness and depression because it cures everything it cures everything right time magazine described it as a murky brown liquid that tastes something like bilge water and smells worse. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you don't want to put that in your mouth. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even bother giving it a decent flavor. It was just it was just garbage water. Um, uh, well, if you sell it as it being the cure-all, then who cares what it tastes like? 
right? Well, yeah, you use that Buckley's marketing, right? Tastes awful and it works. The fact that it tastes like shit is how you know it's exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, It must be good for you because it tastes terrible. And candy's bad for you and candy tastes amazing. I mean, okay. Right? Sure. Exactly. Um, Now, according to one pharmacist, and this is where it kind of gets a little depressing. um, This one. Hold on. Let me get my bottle of Hadako out since this is going to get depressing. Stop calling it Hadako. You know the joke. (laughs) Oh, my God. See, now it's already in my head. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to put something in your head in a second. Just you wait. Ew. Ew. Um, Oh, gross. Um, Sorry. Is that? No, that I'm make sorry. A, you know what? A skull I'm fucking sorry. joke? Did I just make a skull fucking I, joke? You did. You did. But okay, you know what? Cool. I apologize for being a woman <laughs> and being offended by it. That's on yeah, me. Yeah, you tempted me into making a skull fucking remark. I did. I did. That was my bad. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? Apology accepted. Thank um, you. They I came... can go on living. <laughs> anyway, depressing quote. They came in to buy Hadakal when they didn't have money to buy food. Oh. Yeah. 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 The I sales... Mean... <laughs> alcohol will do that to you it's kind of a known occurrence isn't it when it comes to things that contain booze um especially when you're also advertising it as a cure-all a cures what ails you kind of thing um oh my gosh what if you're like i have a problem with the alcohol and they're like here this nice bottle will save you hey i'm addicted Aww. to cigarettes here's a nicotine patch and a vape pen yeah exactly <laughs> It was mostly you like most of the advertising would use customer testimonials, you know, um, things that you don't have to back up. Oh, uh, right. Because customers can say whatever they want. Exactly. And technically speaking, all they're attributing is their personal experience with the product. That's right. Again, same thing. Again, we're ma- I'm making some rules for you as a, a purchaser here. Don't just go off the advertising copy and don't just go off of testimonials. Unless you're buying stuff from Sean and me. We assure you that all of our products are FDA approved. No, we're not going to make that assurance, Kelly. (laughs) I said ish. I said ish. All of our all of our products FDQ approved. All of our products fall under a status with the FDA. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mystery. You'll find out when you get it. Yeah, there was there was a a case where a diabetic patient almost died because she gave up her insulin to switch to (gasps) Hadacol. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Stop your other medication. That's bad. Yep. Because insulin sucks. You have to inject it all the time. But Hadacol got you drunk. Well, yeah. (laughs) And it probably uh, probably this this patient was thinking, well, it says it cures everything. So maybe it'll just cure my diabetes. Oh my gosh, it probably has sugar in it too. I mean, at least from the alcohol. And I, I mean, maybe. I mean, if it ta- if the description is bilge water, then yeah, well, maybe probably not sugar. <laughs> okay, okay. I was just thinking that it would make the diabetes worse. But yes, it absolutely would. Also, not taking your insulin tends to make diabetes worse. Well, yeah, that too, obviously. By 1950, Hadacol sales were over 20 million dollars. Remember, do some math in your head here. That is $100 a year for the recommended dose. So that so how many customers does it take to get to 20 million? It takes 20 million to get to 20 million. That's for $1. Oh, right. Oh. So like what that's like 200,000? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, he <laughs> he spent uh 1 million dollars a month in advertising expenses. And this is where it gets interesting. He was well, actually 1 million, running but 1 million in then money, right? Yeah, in then money. That's, That's a, a lot. lot of money. 
Yeah, no, that's the thing. He was unbeknownst to his investors. He was running this business into the ground, just trying to get the value of this thing as high as he possibly could. At his peak, he took a traveling medicine show of 130 vehicles on tour through the South, featuring <laughs> featuring amongst other performers, the Marx Brothers, Mickey Rooney, and Judy Garland. <laughs> is this just for Hedicall? Or is yeah. it? Wow. I Just mean, that's some good marketing. Hedicle. Now, I'm sending you a YouTube link because this fucking thing even had a theme song. Yes! Jesse Rogers, 1949, The Hadakal Boogie. Hadakal Boogie. Hadakal Boogie. Hadakal Boogie. Hadakal Boogie. We should make our own jingle. Yeah, we should. So political competitors t- uh, felt the need to put their own patent medicines out. Uh, one was called Vitalong. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Because they're all uh, essentially now doing the same thing. They're all just trying to get money and none of them actually work, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's the whole thing. These are these are supplements. These are these are multivitamins, essentially. They're. Um, but it doesn't matter because at that point, uh, uh, the rules are pretty loosey goosey. You could just kind of say that stuff did stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh by 1951, LeBlanc had spent more on ads than he made in sales, and after LeBlanc sold his interest in the LeBlanc Corporation, which was Hadakal's parent company, uh, to investors for $8.2 million, Whoa. the enterprise collapsed under the weight of debtors. Oh my gosh, what a grand scheme. Like, Yeah, he grifted those investors. Long, yeah, that's a really good long, call, long con there. I know, right? And just to put in perspective, like, in case there's any doubt at all of whether or not he thought that this was even a legitimate thing to be selling to people, because if it was just, like, misguided, you could kind of get it. But here is his exact quote um, from a year later in a radio interview with his old buddy Groucho Marx. Groucho asked, what's it good for? To which LeBlanc responded, about five and a half million dollars for me last year. (laughs) (laughs) yeah he knew i mean like he he was selling it as snake oil and knew that there was no snake involved in the product at all so like yep the man was a class a grifter so you can understand how he made it to elected office (laughs) perfect he was a senator All right, so... I mean, who doesn't like their politician to be a little snake oil salesman I had to call it something. I had to call it something. Oh, God. What a motherfucker. <laughs> oh, what a... J- <sighs> I can't hold yeah, the character like up. What it. a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, how like, do you be your... I'm actually trying to help people. Like, it's one thing if you, like, legitimately believed in your product, even if it was, a like failing well think about who's being targeted by this product who is he advertising to he's advertising to everybody but he's targeting dry counties he's targeting oh well yeah because he's he knows he's giving alcohol basically to dry counties like that's what he's doing yeah he's he's yeah he's selling an addictive drug to you know to these people uh who need some way of getting a hold of it and he's also frankly targeting poor people well yeah Classic, classic American move there. Yeah, I mean, again, that pharmacist quote, they were coming in for Hadakal when they couldn't afford food. 
Yeah. Like that's what he's that's what he's doing. That's who he's targeting with his marketing. He's going after poor people. He's going after people that he knows need to be spending this money on something else for them and their families. So, um, okay, righteous so indignation over. <laughs> yeah, so this guy's a this guy's an absolute piece of dog shit. And uh, here's a guide on how to be your own piece of dog shit. <laughs> so if you want to be just like him. Yeah, if you're a complete fucking psychopath who doesn't care about people, um, let's talk about how to do what this guy did successfully. How to make $10 million um, off of your own bullshit. Uh, so, step one, and this step is very important, so you have to sort of make a decision here. There are two ways you can approach your own snake oil. You can offer a treatment that does something or a placebo. Okay, so it does either something or nothing. Exactly. Something or nothing. Now, when I say something, I'm not necessarily saying it has to do the thing that it says on the label. It just has to do oh. something. It'll Think about Hatical. It did something. It on your face. You'll feel the tingleness. And really, it's just tingling because there's like peppermint oil in it. Ta-da. Yeah. Again, Hatical got you drunk. That was something. Uh, (laughs) An example of a placebo would be the depressingly common cold FX, uh, which I think might just be a Canadian phenomenon. Um, It's been taken to court a few times over the fact that the remedy performs no better than a placebo. Uh, But there is a lot of uh, a lot of big name folks that were plugging it, including uh, Don friggin Cherry. And uh, what's all? I mean, when people just get duped and they're using their famous... They're, they're, they're famous, so they're using it for money, and then they're selling it to people who are like, oh, I love this famous person, and mm-hmm. there's no responsibility. And I just think that's messed up. Like, these people who are just taking money and then trying oh, to yeah. get other people on board, it's, it's, you know. Yeah, there were a good few decades where Don Cherry was considered, like, this infallible god of our hockey culture. Um, those days are past us. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, Cold FX is literally just a placebo. It is a, it is a nothing drug. Yeah. Um, but it's not sold as a drug. It's alternative medicine, so you can do whatever you want. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's part of like the icy hot tiger bomb area, right? Yeah, it's it's in there, right? Because again, icy hot, it feels icy and then hot. Yeah, so it does what something. the title says. Exactly, yep. exactly. It does something. <laughs> does something. And if it helps you, sure, why not? Right. Which, uh, you know, which is so much less frustrating than real medicine, which often doesn't feel like it's doing anything or even has negative side effects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fair. And it works sometimes faster because it works like right on contact to your skin versus medicine is eternally where it takes time to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, again, we're talking in broad strokes here. Uh, But here's the key thing. Never underestimate the placebo effect. I think this should be on a shirt. Never underestimate the placebo effect. If we ever sell merch, let's do that. Okay. All right. um, <laughs> the uh, the effect has been known to doctors for a very long time. Back in 1890, there was an editorial that described a case of a doctor injecting a patient with water instead of morphine. Oh, what? Yeah. Now, she recovered just fine. But, like, uh, but didn't what, she need the morphine? Apparently not, because she felt better when he injected the water. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Placebo. Mm. It well, I mean, works. Like, yeah, I'll say sometimes it works. Like you can convince yourself of almost anything sometimes. Oh, I'm going to get into some examples of that. Um, yeah, oh, okay. she. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. She disputed the doctor's bill in court and won. And that kind of ended the practice because placebos were often administered in secret out of, frankly, goodwill. 
Because think about it. Morphine is heroin, Kelly. Yeah, I'm aware. You don't (laughs) want, you do not want to give somebody this drug unless you're Big Pharma. Oh, Uh, right, right. That's not me. I'm not Big Pharma. No, don't Uh, do this. Because they can become addicted and it will ruin their lives. So what he was, so from his point of view, he was doing her a favor. Uh, Sure. If that's what he felt like. Now, it's important to bear in mind that for most of history, actual medicine was pretty good at killing you. Yeah. Um, So that's sort of the other thing to keep in mind here is that placebos were often administered because they were more useful. Right. But like you have to tell people, though, right? Like, I feel like there's some moral Ah, informed consent, informshment. Um, All right, you heard it here first, folks. I don't, nope, nope. I was about to say, I don't. We talked about. (laughs) I don't need to get consent. Nope, I'm not making that joke. Never mind. Look, you and I have talked about, uh, in our last episode, we talked about how we didn't have the concept of informed consent codified into international law until the late 40s. Oh, God, that's so sad. Right? (laughs) Um, So the first real experiment in this field, though, in terms of, you know, what the hell is the placebo effect and why does it work? This was a meta-analysis by Daniel Moorman. Moorman? Moorman? Moorman. He was a merman. He was a merman. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, An anthropologist who specialized in the placebo effect. He took the trial data from placebo-controlled trials of gastric ulcer medication. And here Um. are a few of his conclusions. It turns out four sugar pills a day were more effective than two when it came to the healing of <laughs> ulcers. <laughs> I don't know. Take them sugars. Yeah, right. Uh, these results, by the way, have been replicated in different data sets. So 100% four placebos do more than two. Um, in other cases, I mean, uh, two that's pills. what I put in my coffee. Like I put four things <laughs> of sugar instead of two and it makes it better. I mean, it makes your ulcers better, me. right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, when I fill my stomach up that is covered in ulcers with coffee, I feel so much better because of the sugar I put in. It balances it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in uh, other t- studies, uh, two pills appear to be more effective than one, including, weirdly enough, at eliciting side effects. Wait, so you can so get the bad stuff more. to happen too. Oh, yep. Lord. Uh, all right. So here's a few other little um, scientific findings. Pink placebos are better at maintaining concentration than blue pills. Well, that just makes sense. That's just science. <laughs> exactly. Well, it is. That's the thing. It is science. We don't know why. <laughs> green pills are better for treating anxiety. Yeah, clearly. Because green is soothing like nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yellow I get pills. Justifications. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're throwing hypotheses out there being like, oh, it's obviously that, right? It's obviously that. Obviously. <laughs> Science. Uh, <laughs> yellow pills are better for treating depression. Yeah, because sun, sunlight, <laughs> uh, you get <laughs> vitamin D, and that's good for serotonin and brain, and yellow is sun, and bam. <laughs> what I love about this is you're actually thinking like a snake oil salesperson right now, and it's perfect. Um, <laughs> Don't call me that. I've got a bad breath. Yeah, you're you're actually a thug, and uh, and everybody thinks that you're the scariest person they've ever met. Yay! Yay! I have been longing <laughs> for someone to tell me that, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> I am not happy until I walk down the street and children scream and cry and run away. Yep that's that's why I that's why I shoot my gun in the air everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> 
America. <laughs> you, <Bang> can, <laughs> you can even make a drug more effective by making it look more effective. So there is a, a sedative called chloriazepoxide. Sure. I got it on take one. Uh, was found to be more effective in capsule form than pill form in 1970. Because it gets into your system quicker. So thus it helps better, faster, longer, stronger, better. Mm-hmm. Salt water injections are more effective than pills for blood pressure, headaches, or uh, postoperative pain. Oh, that's when your pasta is in pain and you have to give it <laughs> some medicine. I, I always my put my pasta... pasta. I put the pasta out of its misery as soon as it's in front of me. Don't you worry. <laughs> it doesn't have to suffer like the lobsters or the snakes. <laughs> I mean, you do boil it the same way, so I'm just saying. Just cut to me in the kitchen, like, smashing each piece of rotini against the counter while crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's the vegetarian version, so there you go. Uh, branded painkillers are more effective than the exact same drug, but in a generic package. Oh, well, yeah, obviously, because, you know, paying $5 to get rid of your headache is not going to help nearly as much as the $10 packaging. So you better just get the $10 one. The funny thing is, I think that might be part of it. I think cost might actually be because if because it's yes. buy in, right? You know, I spend all this money on this pill, so it had better work. Right. Like if you have one that's like literally $2 cheaper and you're like, why is it on sale? Why is it? Because uh, the generic brands usually are on sale or usually like they have a deal like you buy two, you get one f- free. Right. Like not that I buy a lot of pills or drugs, anybody, but I. <laughs> um, Being given a specific diagnosis is also and being told that you'll get better in a few days has led to 64 percent of patients in a 1987 study to feel better within two weeks. Sure. The doctor said I feel better. So look at me feeling better. Exactly. Hey, doctor turned out to be right. (laughs) It's literally a long period of time, too. Like, that's it. It's literally a self-fulfilling prophecy. And frankly, this is how homeopathy is still so popular, right? Because to be clear, what homeopaths are prescribing you is a sugar pill. It's not nothing. They're giving you nothing. The dilution is so intense that it would be the equivalent of less than one molecule of that ingredient in all the world's oceans. There's nothing in there. And And water doesn't have a memory. Sorry. Water remembers. Water remembers. Is that why it looks at me really funny every time that I pour a new glass? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it knows uh, <laughs> where it's going. It knows its fate. It is not happy. Look, look, the moment someone can explain to me how it can remember that, like, anthrax you put into it after 30C dilution, but it's forgotten all of the shit that it's had in it, um, then, yeah, then we'll talk. Uh, science! <laughs> Shut up, you but- Science! But a big thing with homeopathy is that, uh, frankly, unlike most people's experiences with, like, their family doctor who is rushing people in and out of the door, a homeopath will spend time sitting with you with a full interview. You can talk about exactly what you're going through in exact detail with somebody who is listening sympathetically. That well, of course, makes they buy, a difference. They, they want you to buy their crap. So, of course, they're going to mm-hmm. listen to you. At, yeah. Uh, yep. And the and- doctors, they're not in the patient business. Doctors are in the pharmaceutical business. Like, let's get that right. And whereas doctors are obliged to say things like, I'm not sure what this is, but this but this prescription might help you. A homeopath can outright say, here's a here's a bullshit pill that I'm going to send you in like a week uh, and it's going to make you feel better immediately. Which do you think is going to make people feel better? Well, clearly the one who's more confident and says it's going to make me feel better. I'm going down that route. 
Exactly, right? Um, and you're paying one, for the confidence. That's what you're paying for. That's kind of it. You're paying for a, you're paying for somebody to just listen to you complaining because uh, most people don't like it when you do that. And someone who you think has authority on it too, like right. All right. And uh, in one 1965 study, the doctors followed an exact script explaining to neurotic patients that some people are helped by tranquilizers, but also sugar pills help and they contain no medicine. And I'm prescribing you one if you're willing to try. And then they were given a bottle of pink placebos in a Johns Hopkins hospital bottle and were told to take three pills a day. And the pills worked. Sure, because they were pink. But the fact that they were outright told, this is a placebo. This is That's a sugar pill. Right? And it still works. Like, yeah. that, that baffles me, because it, like, <laughs> it defies logic and science. You want to be logical. I'm saving the best for last, baby. Oh, no. Um, one doctor, Stuart Wolf, pumped Ipecac into the stomachs of two women who were suffering from nausea and vomiting. But because he said the treatment would help, they started feeling better and even the physical symptoms, their gastric contractions reduced. What? He pumped Ipecac in their stomachs and they vomited less. What is Ipe... 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 Ipecac? Yeah, what's, what is that? Oh, it, it, it induces vomiting. Oh, <laughs> it's all it does. It's a it's a drug that induces vomiting. You ever see that Family Guy clip? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's Ipecac. Oh, yeah, it's a per- so they it's just for them throw up, but that made them not throw up. It made them not throw up. I don't understand. How is this possible? I don't know either. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the biological mechanism whereby the placebo effect occurs. It even works on dogs. Hey. After being given a flavored water with a drug that suppresses the immune system, because uh, they were looking for like an objective thing because the dog can't really tell you necessarily how it's feeling. Right. Um, so they just suppressed its immune system. They then switched to water with the same flavor, but no drug. But the immune system suppression effect still occurred. What? That's yeah. Nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> It's not like the dog had any reason to expect their yeah. T cell count to go down. And it's not like the dog could control it either. Like, apparently it can. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and of course, placebos have become more and more effective at treating depression over the last few decades. Essentially, whenever you're doing like a placebo controlled trial for an antidepressant, the placebo is working better now than it did before. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, now, but that's, and then this is, like, it correlates with the p- track of actual drugs also getting better at treating depression, right? So, essentially, it seems like the more people are expecting medication to work for these conditions, the more the placebo works as well. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, placebos. If you're looking to sell some snake oil, placebos can absolutely be the way to go. And you can actually help people. So, I mean, it's yeah, not, see, you're that not bad. Right. You're not actually a fraud when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, you're um, only half a fraud. And that's not only... that bad. Yeah, you're like that doctor injecting that woman with water instead of morphine. You're lying, but for their own good. Yeah, see, because you know what's good for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now that we actually have effective drugs for a lot of these conditions. Uh, you're still totally justified in selling them a placebo. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> Now, remember, of course, I said the other option is that it should do something. Um, And we've already kind of talked about that. 
make it tingle if it's applied to the skin. Make it make you poop, vomit, or pee uh, if it's a drug. Uh, yeah. Uh, do essential oils do anything? I don't know, but it tingles on my skin and smells nice. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. if it helps calm, relax you, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. I was about to give it more credit than maybe I should have, <laughs> so I, I decided to stop myself. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, there's the case of ear candles. Oh, my gosh. Boy, do I have a story about ear candles. I almost okay. burned it. So I used to live in a cool apartment that was above a theater, so it actually okay. wasn't – it was just a makeshift space. My friend came over one night and we decided to do those ear candles, which essentially is for earwax removal. So, like, how it's done is you lay on your side. You have to do it with the partner. Um, Mm -hmm. The partner puts the candle in your ear just a little bit and they they light the top. And they're supposed to keep trimming it as it goes down. And, like, it's supposed to, like, create this air suction and pull out all the bad toxins in your earwax. Mm -hmm. And then you open it at the end and you can see all the, well supposedly all that gunk that came out of you. Which there is, is really definitely just... an orange waxy substance in there. Yeah, which could have come from the candle itself, which is, you know, orange and waxy. Yep. Who knew? <laughs> hmm. But anyways, <laughs> when we were doing this, it was my friend's turn, so she, like, was laying down, and I kept trimming, and at one point I cut the candle, the paper, too quickly, and oh, no. a little spark flew and landed on the carpet, and I had to, like, put ah! out the fire, and, like, I had to, like air out the whole place and and cut out part of the carpet like that's fucking hilarious yeah right (laughs) i i was living with uh an ex a boyfriend at the time and i didn't tell him and i was like i'm gonna tell him if we get our security deposit back (laughs) and then i told him after we got it back because we got all of our money back and he was still mad and i was like (laughs) i didn't burn the place down we got our money back whatever yeah just chill just chill bro (laughs) (laughs) Oops. And everything under control. Come on, just chill. No, the whole place smelled so bad, and it was like January, so it was cold outside, and we had to open all the windows. <laughs> Terrible. But yeah. um, yeah. So earwax candles. Yeah, uh, and here's the thing: it's so easy to test this, right? All yeah. you have to do is put the candle on any other surface and see if it still has the same residue afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it and it will. Uh, surprise surprise so this is the thing like as a consumer you can often do scientific experiments on these things if you wanted to Um, yeah you buy the generic and you buy the real you get a headache you take the generic see how you feel and then next time you get a headache you take the name brand one and you see how you feel and then you're like oh my god they both work the same amazing well chances are you're going to feel better with the name brand one though because psychologically that like that's already been documented right like we've seen that that actually is the case and it's Bullshit. nothing to do with the content the like i'm currently in a test for a generic version of a drug they thoroughly check to make sure that it appears the same way in the blood that it does the same stuff that has all the same effects right yeah. um it is chemically the exact same substance but the package is what makes it work better yeah 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 the big red letters on the box the bright colored picture that they had to spend extra money on so that's why you have yep. to then spend extra money on so then it'll work better. exactly exactly all right so that is step one you pick either a placebo or something that does something something uh if you had a choice you know if we were kind of devising our own little bit of snake oil here uh which would you think we should go with i mean well placebo seems easy and all but I like the idea of it tingling and using, like, peppermint oil in there and being like, look, it works. 
Okay, okay. Something tingly so, it is. <laughs> I'm going with tingly, me personally. That's how I'm going to go on this journey. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, so that's step one. You pick something that does something. Step two, radically misinterpret a piece of legitimate science. <laughs> I mean, if you look at any of my high school science or college, any science class I ever took any time, you will mm -hmm. find evidence of this. <laughs> now, um, uh, this is something that sort of has uh, bugs me a lot because uh, you see this a lot in like the health and wellness and especially fitness industries. There are uh, a few examples such as uh, one of my personal favorites, the old BCAAs, the branched chain amino acids. For those who do not know, a BCAA, the BCAAs, I should say, are a group of three out of the nine essential amino acids, meaning that you have to get these from food to live. Is that the word essential? Is that why it's, it's in there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're essential in that you must consume them from elsewhere. You cannot produce it and synthesize it in your body. Um, whereas for most of the amino acids, you can. So there are studies that indicate that BCAAs are most important for triggering muscle growth after a workout, uh, particularly the amino acid leucine. Mm, okay. So, so it would make sense to say supplementing BCAAs would be an easy way to get more muscle growth after your workout, right? Yes. I yeah. feel like the answer is yes, but... Yep. No, the, that's the thing. The answer is yes. Okay. But there those exact same studies... Uh, those exact same scientific papers arrive at the conclusion that BCAA supplementation is overall less effective than just eating protein through something like whey powder, which tends to include those three amino acids, but also the other six. Oh. Yeah. You could just take like a protein shake or even just eat some food and you would achieve the either same the same result or even a better result. Hey, we like better. But that don't sell supplements, bruh! That's so true. almost every supplement company in the space is selling bottles of BCAAs, uh, claiming that they will make you more anabolic. <laughs> oh, I know I've said it before, but my favorite show is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And yep. at some point, they start selling uh, what they call as fight milk which they get rose <laughs> eggs. And it turns out it just gives people the shits. And that's how, like, the wrestlers could make weight. <laughs> but, like, um, then they try to sell it to bodyguards, and they're like, it's for bodyguards. Buy bodyguards. Fight milk. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to give you one more example here. There's a study I found using an LED to shine light into your ears being used to treat SAD. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a sad disorder because yeah. it's sad when the weather goes dark. Um, it's not that simple. Sorry, yeah, because, folks. <laughs> because that's the thing. Getting a bright light exposed to your brain does help. Yeah, I'm um, sure but daylight would be even better, but sure. But you can't bottle and sell daylight. Well, I mean. Yeah. Eh, so somehow the jump yet. came to, because here's the thing. How do you think that light gets to your brain for most people? Well, somebody stands next to you and shines a flashlight in your ear, obviously. Yeah, yeah, because the that's the organ through which the human body takes <laughs> in light, right? It takes <laughs> it in and processes it through the ear. Yeah, the that's what I learned in science. Public school, <laughs> yeah. 
their argument was that, well, the membrane is thinner there. It's closer to the brain. So if you just get, it's not the light itself that's doing it. (laughs) You absolute chump. Uh, yeah, in the conclusion part of the paper, they said like there was... they tried to justify it with the membrane being thinner there. It's, that's awesome. Yeah, that was the hypothesis. They're like, it doesn't see. <laughs> in the conclusion part of the paper, they said there was no difference in dose response and that further testing should incorporate a control group. Oh, Jesus. That's what they... <laughs> wow. They, you done fucked like, up. Yeah. So they had the conclusion, but then they're like at the end, so we didn't have a control group, but we'll definitely do that next time. (laughs) (laughs) And if there's no difference in dose response, that is a red flag right there. If taking taking any amount of the thing does the same effect, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Imagine (laughs) if that was the case for Tylenol. You could take the whole bottle or you could take half a pill. Either way, it'll do the same thing. That's not how things work. It's not, yeah, I like that. It's not how things work. It's not, it's not right at all. It's like, your study's bad. Why did you bother with this? Why did you waste time and yeah. energy and money, resources? It's a lot of yeah. questions. <laughs> and, uh, I, and here's the thing. People actually use devices to do this now because of this one very badly designed study. I actually had a hard time finding them for sale uh, at this point. But what they tend to do is they bundle them into headphones designed to play music, which they then sell for between $60 and $200. They include this little LED light to shine yep. in your ear? Yep. So it's uh, a regular old pair of headphones. So yeah. it's sold at a pretty, pretty hefty price. And um, they've got an LED in it that just shines <laughs> in your ear. Well, I mean, I guess you don't have to hold the flashlight then because they are on this handy dandy headband that you can now listen to music to. I mean, they're just kind of incorporating. (laughs) Uh, They're trying. They're trying. They're trying so hard. (laughs) Just like, oh, okay. I see what you're doing, but. And speaking of misinterpreting science, of course, there's the old vitamin C cures cancer claim. The gift that keeps on um okay so here's the exact (laughs) scientific like sequence of events in which vitamin c has an effect on cancer cells you put the cancer cells in a petri dish and then you pour a bunch of vitamin c on them all right all right i got some oj in the back here let me let me yeah Yeah, let's be all be grateful that we live in a world where drugs go through additional stages of testing before subjecting humans to these things. Imagine if that was just that was the standard. If it was like, cool, well, this thing kill, killed the cancer cells, so I guess we'll just skip right ahead to prescribing it to patients. <laughs> We're just gonna <laughs> inject it right into you. It'll it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Because yeah, sure. You pour vitamin C on some cells in a petri dish and they'll die. <laughs> I like to get sunny D personally, the extra pulpy and uh, <laughs> Just shoot it right in every day. Oh, oh shit, Kelly. Wait, is this the episode where we came up with Delightful D or is that something else? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, God. I oh. hope Delightful D is in the, in the, in the archive somewhere because I don't know how the fuck we got to Delightful D. <laughs> I think it was somebody's nickname. It was someone's nickname. It was Delicious Kid or something. And then I oh, yeah, it was Delightful. Kid Delicious. You're right. It was yeah, in the pool yeah. hustling. Okay, cool. So so Delightful I, D is Delightful D is in play. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually our uh, our off-brand version of Sunny D, Delightful D. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just apple juice. Sorry, guys. <laughs> our, for some reason, the slogan on the bottle is, look me in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look at me! Don't yell at me, but look at me! <laughs> Shut the fuck up and sit down. Delightful D. <laughs> <laughs> we'll help cure cancer and keep you alive. <laughs> All right, so that's step two. So as a quick review, so step one was it's either a placebo or it does something. And step two is radically misinterpret a piece of legitimate science. Now, you have said that you want our thing to be kind of a tingly oil sort of thing, right? Yes, tingly. So can we think of a piece of legitimate science that we can sort of uh, appropriate? Much in the same way that snake oil appropriated the legitimate purposes of Chinese water snake oil. Well, I mean, we could do a... a uh like salve or a rub, like a muscle rub. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I like where tingly. you're going with this. Kind of makes yeah. it, it heals it, makes it stronger, better, faster, gooder. What if we, oh. what if we pulled a full, like that Johns Hopkins study and was like, okay, so um, this, uh, this skin balm is what's known as a placebo. It uh, <laughs> placebos are known to have the following positive effects. And it's going to cure your acne. It's going to cure your bad breath. It's going to cure your toxic personality. It's going to cure. It's going to make you a better person who wants to engage with the world. (laughs) You're going to look better. Amazing. Win, win, win. Yeah, come on. I mean, we we should be charging way more for this stuff. Heck, we should be hoarding it. Why are we selling it at all? It's the elixir of life. (laughs) Why are we giving away the secret? <laughs> you know All what? Right, so we like you, friends. We like you. All right. So, step three you can get around the laws around false claims for drugs by selling your miracle cure all as a supplement rather ah. than a drug. Yeah. You have to go through trials and, and rules and, like you said, laws. Mm-hmm. But supplements do not. Exactly. The laws when it comes to dietary supplements are a bit more. Relax. Um, this is also a good opportunity to latch onto the naturalistic fallacy. Uh, it's better because plants. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I like that. It's no. better because <laughs> it's because plants. Plants. Yep. It's, it's delightful D. It's made out of oranges. Oranges are a plant. Yes. Yes. It cures cancer because oranges. Uh, no plants contain poison, after all, right? Not a single one. Yep, and uh, no, and no synthetic treatments are good. Um, Not a single one. <laughs> um, yeah, so the laws should be less lax. And uh, in 1993, uh, there, there's a. By the way, there was a very good John Oliver episode about this, which I admit is where I pulled a bit of this information from. Um, there was a bill in '93 to tighten supplement regulations by giving more powers to the FDA after 38 people died from L-tryptophan. Oh, yep, a uh, plain old supplement of L-tryptophan. Uh, but according to a CBS report uh, cited in that episode of, of the John Oliver um, Experience, uh, I know the name of this show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, more consumers wrote to their congressmen at the industry's prompting, of course, to protest this bill than the number of citizens who wrote about the Vietnam War. What? There were more people saying don't regulate supplements than were saying let's not get into Vietnam. Wow. That's horrible. So dumb. What the so fuck, guys? Dumb. You didn't show up oh. to work today, eh? Come on. Fuck off. Like 93? 
in the 90s. Yeah, 1993. Oh. Um, yep. So beca- yeah. <laughs> because I'm sorry. you probably- <laughs> It's so bad. It's because- so bad. As you've probably picked up on by now from the Hadical fiasco, people get weirdly passionate about their supplements. Possibly. People get weirdly passionate about the stupidest shit. Well, here's the thing. Again, this is where the contrast between legit medicine and supplements and alt medicine comes into the fact. Uh, becomes in, comes into the... What did I just say? Um, possibly, here's the thing. Supplements get to make these outlandish claims about their efficacy. They get to just say stuff, whereas drugs have to be honest and say it might do things, and here's the bad things that it could also do. I don't want that information. I don't <laughs> want to know the risk. I only want to know that this is going to help me and that you are 100% confident in it. Because if yeah. you're 100% confident in it, then I'm but 100% confident. science doesn't do that. Nah, um, fuck science. <laughs> So There's anyway, no science here. <laughs> I mean, heck, gravity is still technically just a theory. I mean, it holds me down. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. <laughs> it holds me down and gets in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Delight- I had to call it something. <laughs> that's what that's what we're gonna put on delightful D. It holds you down. <laughs> Just like gravity, it holds you down and tingles. Delightful D. Delightful D. Um, Anyway, that bill didn't get passed and the supplement companies are under no obligation to prove their safety or efficacy before marketing. And they don't require FDA approval. They tried again in 2012 to pass a bill in the U.S. to at least get the companies to include warning labels about potential side effects. But nope, because freedom. (laughs) (laughs) Freedom. Because freedom. Because America. We want to be dumb and we deserve every right to be dumb. Yeah, there was a handful of uh, of folks in the, I can't remember if it was the Senate or Congress, and I don't give that much of a shit, um, who were kind of big opponents both in 93 and 2012. And, uh, oh, look at the list of campaign donors. Also, a lot of pharmaceutical companies. A lot of, huh. a lot of well, or was what? it, no, it would have been, su- would have been supplement producers. Yeah, because pharmaceuticals yeah. are different. All right. So meanwhile, in Canada. Uh, the land of uh, the land that a lot of Americans assume generally is better than the U.S. We do. Um, like, we assume that you guys are, like, the top notch, the cream of the crop. Like, we look at, like, Canada as almost like heaven. Like, no matter what we do here or <laughs> fuck up here, they'll always be Canada. We could always run away and ruin Canada later. Oh, like, God. We're the fucking promised land. We're the, yeah. we're, the, we're, on the, we're the grass on the other side of the hill. We're the coastline in the road. <laughs> yes, you are the grass that is greener on the other side of the wall. In Canada, before January 1st, 2004, natural health products, or NHPs, were sold as either drugs or food under the Food and Drugs Act and regulations because there was no other category under which to classify them. Like, that was it. You had to say food or drug. It's a pill that contains a vitamin. What would you call that? Maybe it's neither. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) But hey, as of the end of the new phasing of the regulations in 2010, they at least have to prove that they are safe and that what they say in the bottle is actually there. Oh, okay. 
Well, so, that just means fancy yeah. wordplay then. Yeah, all it took was until 2010. Oh, 10. Oh, In God. 10. Yeah. That was only 11 years ago. That's yep. scary. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> I want to yep. be ignorant and dumb again. And just take <laughs> I hate pills of sugar. I just want my sugar pills. Just give me my hot call. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. All I wanted was my hot call, and he wouldn't give it to me. But the hot call boogie is so catchy. Hat um, call boogie. <laughs> the hot call boogie. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> step uh, okay so that was step three get around the laws by claiming it as a supplement and you can pretty much do anything you want um, step four claim that it does everything <laughs> don't be conservative about this hit a wide base the bolder your claims the more exciting it sounds use words <laughs> use words like biohacking anti-aging magical and of course toxins Oh, yes. You got to get the magical toxins out of your body with this great elixir that's going to make your skin shoot. It's going to detoxify. I, you don't have to get complicated here. It just takes right. away the toxins. Which toxins? All of them. But seriously, name one of the toxins. All of them. Any of them. Really, just name a tox- Name one toxin that you're referring to when you make this claim. <laughs> <laughs> I like that toxin. That one's my favorite. <laughs> just name one. All we need is one. Just name a toxin. Just name one toxin. Seriously, that is like you should be wary if it's like, oh, it detoxifies or gets rid of toxins. If they're not being specific, chances are it doesn't do anything, okay? <laughs> what about they say they're getting rid of the biohazard? toxins that live underneath your skin well first off i'm going to peel my skin off with a a potato (laughs) peeler at that point (laughs) uh uh, oh oh and make sure that you refer to cancer as though it's a singular simple disease um (laughs) (laughs) it'll get rid of your cancer i know it comes and goes when the winter gets cold but don't worry Yeah, which which type of cancer? Cancer. Yeah, but seriously, which type? Cancer. No, they're like all genetically super diverse and they very like there are thousands no. of variants of cancer and they they are very unique to each person. No, it just cures cancer. Shut up. Just cancer. Uh, <laughs> and of course, outright use the word miracle. Miracle. It's miracle. Life. If I had exactly. taken this delicious D, my life would be terrible. I'd be in the gutter. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be trying to get scraps to feed my kitty. I'd. But then I got a hold of some delightful D, and everything everything changed. changed. (laughs) Magical! It was a magical elixir that uh, got rid of all my toxins, and I'll never get the cancer. I'll never get the cancer because it tingles (laughs) on my body when I put it on. (laughs) I. I can't afford food for my children, but I give them my delightful D. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when Sean went to jail. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm not allowed in the U.S. no more. Uh, (laughs) And okay, so step four is claim that it does everything. And that brings us to the fifth and final step. Get on Dr. Oz. Ugh, that guy. Or Goop. Get on Gwyneth Paltrow's show because she's got that show on Netflix. Netflix is platforming that Oh, I did not know she had her own show. Yep. Uh, Goop is a show now. So fuck you. (laughs) No, no. Uh. Yep, it doesn't matter. Just make it up. It doesn't. 
Mix well, and yeah, clang. I mean, like, Dr. Oz has been, like, known to have, like, clacks and, like, people, like, making crap up and, like, getting science wrong on his show, right? Uh, like, oh, and he will peddle it hard. You know, his green coffee thing that he was on for a good long while? Um, like, he will claim that this stuff is magic. He will use the word magic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's how you do it. That's what I learned, is magic yeah. <laughs> is one of those magical words. <laughs> magic is magic. <laughs> my little my little brony, magic is magic. <laughs> oh, we don't have Nick here today, unfortunately, to tell us what we learned today. So, Kelly, what did we learn today? <laughs> well, we learned that to get snake oil, first, you don't wring them out. You actually boil them. Crazy. Yep. Two, mm-hmm. you don't actually need snake oil to make snake oil. Crazy mm-hmm. again. I know. I know. We're learning so much. It's so um, cool. There's uh, five steps that we covered to start your own snake oil. Indeed. um, Let's see if I can remember the five steps. Yep. Pop quiz. Prop quiz, everybody. Man, I wish Mm -hmm. Nick was here. (laughs) 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 He sums up things much better than I do. Um, There's one where you have to go like balls out and say it cures everything. That was Mm -hmm. number, number four. Yep. Number five was get on like Dr. Oz. Those are the most recent things we talked about, so yes. Which is why they remember them. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I would tell our audience it. to listen twice, but again, we just need you to download it. So. Yeah, it's fair. You don't have to. Yeah. If you come this far, I mean, good for you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Teacher Kelly. I'm sorry. I'm not why sorry. Do this? <laughs> um, you have to either pick what it does. Like, it either does something or it's mm-hmm. a placebo. Yep. And then, I don't remember. I lost count what number okay, I was Okay, well, that's good enough. <laughs> good enough. Yeah, again, it's snake oil. It's not, you're not landing on the moon. Uh, so, um. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't do this, what do you think? There's no hope for me. But, you know, side hustle or no side hustle? What's the verdict? Oh, yeah, this one seems actually relatively easy to do. Um, yep. You have to do a lot of marketing. Like, that's the one thing you gotta, you have to That's true, that is there. what. But what you do is you just get a lot of people to back you and you show that all your marketing is quote unquote working and then mm-hmm. you bail at the end and take all the money with you and leave them. Right. That's actually that, what I learned from this. Because <laughs> apart from that, there's not that much overhead, right? I mean, you, you, you mix some random stuff together. It doesn't matter what. And that's it. Like, you know, again, it doesn't have to be real snake oil. It could be just mineral oil. Again, essential oil. Yeah. It's literally just some kind of oil, something, a solvent. And, like, some mint. Yeah, like, I make body scrub, which is, like, just sugar and baby oil. And if I want to add flavors, I add essential oils. Like, in stores, for, like, a jar of it, it's, like, $7. And I could make a shit ton for, like, $7. Yeah. I just give them as gifts or whatever. And then you sell it, but then you claim that it detoxifies you. It does. You have to rub it on your feet, gets all your feet toxins out, because all the toxins <laughs> have to pull out of your body and somehow end up at your feet. I don't know. I read it somewhere. That's your answer when someone tells you to name a toxin? Oh, yeah. Foot toxin. Foot toxin. <laughs> you know? Foot toxin. You know, there's foot toxin. There's ankle toxin. There's shin toxin. There's yeah. calf toxin. There's knee toxin. There's back of the knee toxin. Mm-hmm, those two are different. <laughs> they right. look alike, but they're different. <laughs> We're probably we going to have a social media account by the time this episode is published. So that's true. So find us on the social media. Find us We're on some there. social media. I mean, we could be anywhere. Uh, I mean, we are, <laughs> we're everywhere, actually. Yeah. Just call our name and we'll be there. Just exactly. Like 
We'll bring the hat a call. <laughs> All right. So I guess uh, apart from that, uh, that is going to do it for us. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Artners in Crime, an exploration of weird, unethical, and less legal side hustles. I am Sean O'Brien. And I'm Kelly McDonald. We accept credit cards and snakes. <laughs> Don't forget the three digits on the back. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye.